everybody, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter. He is with Further Still Ministries, and this show, Solid Steps, started with the idea of saying we wanted to do a show for men, by men, taking talking to men from a man's perspective. And we thought that men need to be talked to. <laughs> we need to be talked to about many <laughs> yes, things in life. And um, one of the things we wanted to do is men are really good at talking about sports, weather, and politics, and that's great. But there's more to life than that. And there's things that have effects on families for generations and for eternity. And we believe here at Solid Steps that if you're not walking with the person of Jesus Christ, then you're not fulfilling the destiny God has for you as a man or woman, for that matter. And so we talk about topics that maybe you may not talk about, think about, or, um, you know, address very often. Well, today's topic, I'm going to say this, guys, listen, if you're like, what are we talking about today? I'm going to tell you what we're talking about, but not really. Because when I tell you what we're talking about, you might want to go click or turn it over. And if you, if your first thought is, I want to turn this off, that means you need to keep it on. (laughs) That's just a, a very good telltale sign. So we're going to talk about what appears to be money today. And at the end of the day, there's always an underlying issue with money. It's really more of a heart issue than a bank account issue. But we're going to talk today specifically, and I know if you're listening, guys, you need to hear what we're going to talk about. We're talking about not money necessarily with you, but how do you help your kids manage money? And my question to you listeners is this, do you want your kids managing money the way you do? And if you don't like that answer, you need to listen. <laughs> so we got a we got an expert here, uh, Matt Bell. It is great to have you back, brother. So good to be with you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Matt, it's uh, it's a joy and delight. Uh, it's a joy and delight to see you every week at our uh, getting equipped Bible study. And <laughs> I'm um, loving that. But um, it's great. You got a new book out, and so uh, what's it called? It's called Trusted: Preparing Your Kids for a Lifetime of God Honoring Money Management. So we're, we're going to pick your brain about uh, how to, how as dads, and I think this relates even to grandkids, uh, grandfathers. And so if you, you've got kids or grandkids, you, we can have influence on our, on our kids and grandkids. Um, but I, I want us to have our listeners hear how, how you started this whole, uh, this whole money thing. Um, you got an inheritance early in life. Tell, tell us that story. Yes, I was in my mid-20s, and an uncle passed away and left me $60,000. Had no idea he planned to leave me any money, so it was this amazing gift. I was so grateful and just blown away by, by his generosity. And I, I really, guys, I really had good intentions with that money. Um, <laughs> I thought this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I want to do something great with it. And, um, and so I love to golf and I love to travel. And I thought if I could create a business around the things I love to do, that would be a good use of that money. So I wasn't a good enough golfer to entertain ideas of becoming a pro golfer, but I did know how to write. I was a journalist at the time. And so I created this newsletter for golfers who take golf vacations and it became this great excuse to go play Pebble Beach, which I did and Pinehurst and some of the great courses in Orlando and Puerto Rico and even Southern Spain. And, um, I hear that money going cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. That's exactly right, yes. Um, so, you know, I, I was so blind to what was happening with that money, and, and I was attracting very few paid subscribers. That seemed like a minor detail. I mean, I've had this huge, endless supply of money, uh, so I just kept going. And, and again, I was paying so little attention to the actual money that when it ran out, 
I just kept funding that life on credit cards. And literally, it was like waking up one day, two years after getting the inheritance, and I had 20 grand of credit card debt. So um, to make a long story short, I moved home with my parents for a time. I'm thankful for, to them for providing a bit of a safety net, but it was a depressing time. I went from living the life to living in my parents' basement in the small town where I grew up, and, and I literally found out what it means to be depressed. I was really down for a couple of months out there. But a good friend at that time got back in touch, friend from college, shared his faith with me. He'd become a Christian after I had graduated a year ahead of him, and that set me on a path of exploring matters of faith, um, ultimately placed my faith in Christ at age 29, and um, which would have been plenty to come out of that experience. But then I also realized I had a few things to learn about money. If you can take 60 and turn it into negative 20. And so <laughs> it takes I, talent to do that. Yeah, that you is know, talent. It, it seemed to come pretty naturally to me. But uh, yes, uh, so I just became a sponge. I just wanted to learn. I wanted to figure it out. And uh, first church I went to had a stewardship ministry. I'd never heard of such a thing. I've heard of churches asking for money, uh, but not necessarily teaching people about money. And so I was all about that. And, and I just, I've, I've been involved in some way, shape, or form ever since. You, and you have been teaching now on money for decades. It's, it's been a little while. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I, I love how you write and I love how you communicate these principles. So um, t- talk. Talk to our listeners just real quick about the love of money. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of the most misquoted verses in the entire Bible. People think the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. It's a, it makes a very important distinction. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and that's a big distinction. And so money is not inherently good or bad. It's, it's neutral. It's kind of what we do with it. It's how we think about it that, that makes it so. And, and so, and yet Jesus really teed up money as, as his chief rival for our hearts. You can't serve both God and money. And so it's, a, it's not just a calculator or a spreadsheet issue. It's very much a spiritual issue. So um, we didn't talk about this before we launched this, uh, but I, how does a man, because that verse says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money. That's right. Um, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Yes, yes. How, how does a person know if they're eager for money? Yeah, well, it's a great question. I'm not sure there's a, an objective uh, <laughs> measuring stick out there, but I think if you've got some people in your life, you know, you're married, um, that'd be a good person to talk to about these things. Um, you've got an accountability partner, a good friend you're doing life with who knows you. Um, they're invited to ask some tough questions. That's just a good and, and helpful thing. But I think it, you know, what do you think about when you've got free time? Where, where does your mind tend to go? Is it toward, you know, more money? Is it toward more things? Is it, um, you know, or is it toward, I mean, my, my, things are not bad. It's not like bad to buy things. You know, that, that's where we get kind of mixed up with this whole money thing. It's a complicated topic, which is what fascinates me about money. Um, and yet, I think if we really ask God to search our hearts, we can start to get a sense of, oh, it's just become too much of a preoccupation for me. Mm. So talk to our listeners ab- about the three parenting roles. Yeah. When we think about, we, because we don't want our kids to have this love of money. Right. There's other, there's, there's more important things. But what, what are those three roles as a parent? Yeah, so gatekeeper, teacher, and role model. So the gatekeeper 
that's kind of the tough part of parenting, right? There's, there's a book that I've never even read that speaks to me about this. It's called Be the Parent. I'm sure it's a great book, but the title alone <laughs> is enough to, to motivate me to say that's the gatekeeper. We have to step up and be the parent sometimes, which oftentimes means saying no. It often means setting the parameters and the guidelines in our household and how things are going to operate here. So that's the gatekeeper. The teacher... Can you give us a real quick example of how, how, to, how to do that? Yeah, so screens. Screens are a huge issue for every parent, right, and every family. So that's where the gatekeeper sets the rules and regulations. So I'm a huge believer screens are not to be kept in a bedroom, and screens are, are to be used in public view. So we want accountability. We want someone being able to see what we're doing on screens, what our kids are doing on screens. We want that to be something not done in private. That's an example of, of the gatekeeper. And, 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 and to take that principle over into, you know, with money and yeah. dealing with money. Yeah, so with money, so, you know, with the bank of mom and dad is not always open. It's not a 24-hour <laughs> sort of uh, drive-up window kind of thing. Um, you know, there's going to be some parameters. There's going to be times when we say no to certain things that, no, you've got to save your money if you want this particular item. You know, it's hard because, I mean, usually, especially with young kids, what they want isn't very expensive. We could easily get it for them. And yet we do them more of a service when we say, I want you to save up your money. Over time, it's going to take you several weeks. It might take you several months to buy this item. That'll ultimately be good for them. But that's the gatekeeper role. Mm. That's where we're setting some boundaries on, on these things. <laughs> Chad, you gave an example about one of your boys wanted to buy a candy bar. And, yeah, uh, he, and, and he got a new wallet and had money in his wallet, actually. <laughs> and he had done a job for a neighbor, and the neighbor paid him, and he had some money. So we were standing in line at Walmart, and we were in the checkout. And he goes, Dad, can I get this? I go, you can with your money. Yeah. And so he got it, and he goes, I'm going to get this too. And I go, okay. I go, that's going to be about $5. I forgot the amount. That's how much it's going to be. And we stood there in silence, and I'm just kind of waiting. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. And he just quietly reached back and put back whatever he was going to get because he had time to process and think, I'm going to have to have my own money to pay for this. And so, well, I tell you what, we're going to take a break because there's a lot to unpack in this, and we're going to help you figure out all the things you need to know about money with your kids in three more segments. So <laughs> we're going to take a break. And uh, be back shortly here with Matt Bell, wrote a book called Trusted, Preparing Your Kids for a Lifetime of God-Honoring Money Management. And I know that we all could use a little bit of help in this area. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps. Hadley Sign Solutions. Owner Chris Hadley has 35 years' experience in design, manufacturing, and the installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. He can help promote your business in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Call him at 502-419-7228. That's 419-7228. Or you can email him at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com. That's HadleySignSolutions. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have, or talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. So in our first segment, we were talking about introduced to the book Trusted uh, author Matt Bell. It's called Trusted, Preparing Your Kids for a Lifetime of God-Honoring Money so, Matt, you, you talked about the three roles, or you introduced the 
first one is gatekeeper. Yep. The second one is teacher. Yeah. Talk about that in just a minute. Yeah, so that's where we're overtly teaching, and, and it's both about Scripture. I want God's Word written on our kids' hearts. I mean, that's just such an important thing. So we're teaching them God's Word as we're teaching them certain practical things. You know, we're teaching them how to sort socks as little kids. And, and at nighttime as we're praying for them, we're, we're teaching them God's Word, that that everything you do, you know, do it as working for the Lord. And so we're, we're connecting that. We're teaching the scripture. And then we're teaching them specific things to do with money. So if it's about saving, okay, it's an online bank or it's a brick-and-mortar bank or it's a credit union. So we're teaching. That's the teacher role. And then the most important one is role model because our kids are watching us and they're listening to us much more than we can ever even imagine. And so that's where as just we live our lives out loud, our kids are absorbing that. So we should be really mindful of that, aware of that, and and intentional around that. It, It can be so easy to be teaching some things verbally, but role model, we are almost doing sometimes yeah. a, a, a counter to that. Yeah, and that's right. So yeah, yeah, we have to be really careful with that. I mean, what we do, Dallas Wilder says we're always teaching. Don't ever forget it. We're always, always, always teaching, even when we're not saying one word. Yeah, so true. I remember a time we we're driving through a, a, a really nice neighborhood and and, and we had to catch ourselves. My wife and I were both kind of verbally gawking at some of the homes we were seeing. And we, and we started to hear it from the back seat. Oh, no. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we modeling? Yeah. So it's easy to lose sight of just how much they're paying attention to what we're doing. It's a, it is amazing. Which leads me to my next question about talk about consumer and this consumer world that we live in and really what our ultimate goal is when it comes to money and stewardship things. You know, we hear that term so much in our culture, consumer spending, consumer confidence, consumer sentiment. We just, you know, assume it's probably fine, right? That's just how we, how we live. And yet if you look up the word consumer in the dictionary, I think you'd be a little offended because to consume literally means to use up and to waste and to squander, which some people might say, well, it explains a lot of our situation. Um, but really, we're not made to be consumers. You know, God didn't say that on the sixth day he, he, he made us to, to use up and waste and squander all that he made in the previous five days. It says he made us to, to manage, to tend to his creation. And so we're, we're managers of his resources in the parable of the talents, which I think most vividly depicts our relationships with God and with money. You know, everything we have has been temporarily entrusted to us. And so I like to try to really clearly make the distinction between consumer and steward or consumer and manager, or as I say in the book, consumer and wise builder from the parable of the wise and and the foolish builders. So a consumer, if I'm a consumer, then I believe that I'm the most important person in the world. Life swirls around me, my pleasure, my comfort, my happiness. But if I'm a steward of God's resources, then God is number one. God is the most important person in my life. If I'm a consumer, I believe it's money and things that bring happiness. If I'm a steward, I understand that it's relationships that bring joy into my life. And if I'm a consumer, I believe that life is a competition to have ever more. I'm comparing to how much I had last year or how much my neighbor has. And if I'm a steward, then I realize life is about contribution to use our gifts and talents and passions to make a difference with our lives. Huge distinction between being a consumer and a steward. And if we can start to impress that on our kids, what a gift that would be for them. How did, did you and Jude, your wife, um, kind of inter- help your kids uh, you know, navigate that? And when you would catch yourself being a consumer, <laughs> I mean, how, how did you do that? Yeah, I think it's about... Living life out loud and, and, you know, all the warts and wrinkles. And, and you know, you don't want to be so transparent with a super young kid where you're now scaring them about 
how solid your family is. But I think at a certain age and probably younger than we realize, we can be authentic with our kids. We can say, hey, mom and dad have made some mistakes. Maybe we've gotten ourselves into debt. Mom and dad are realizing that isn't God's intention for us. And so we're working our way out of debt. And we'd like to teach you how to avoid the problem in the first place. I think it's okay for us to be transparent with our kids in, in some of those things, both the good and the bad. Yeah, I think they yeah they have to hear the yeah, both both sides. Yeah. Talk to us about um, teaching your kids delayed gratification. So important. I mean, it comes into play most practically with money, I think, with savings. And so there, you know, we're, we're encouraging our kids to be the ones to save for certain things. So you want a new bike? Well, great. Let's figure out how much is that going to cost and how much are you bringing in each week through whatever means and how can we sort of map out a plan toward getting it? We have to wait. We have to build waiting into the routines. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard for most of us as, as adults. Really hard for a kid to, to wait, but so good for them. And so we can even use non-financial uh, habits and practices around the household to encourage waiting. Um, things like nobody eats until we've all been seated at the table and we've given thanks for the food. We don't open Christmas gifts until Christmas morning, not, you know, the day before, the week before. We're, we're going to wait till Christmas morning. We're planting a vegetable garden. We have to wait for the result of, of that, to, that to happen. And so, so important because there's some famous research out there that shows kids that, that can wait at a young age, man, the ramifications down the road, much higher SAT scores, greater ability to maintain friendships, to maintain certain healthy habits in their lives. There's so many good things that come from learning to wait. And really, in a spiritual sense, the ultimate form of delayed gratification is the hope of heaven. And so if we can realize that all of the things that we might most want and long for here may not be fulfilled here, we may not get that car in, in, you know, in our lives and stuff, if we can realize that that's not where life is found necessarily, what a huge spiritual lesson that is that translates into our use of money in some very important ways. That's, that's powerful stuff. To talk to our listeners about what I think this ties in. Psalm 24, one says the earth is the Lord's yeah. and everything in it. Yeah. And kind of what we were talking about. Yeah. So important to realize that to, to hold everything with uh, open hands of gratitude mm-hmm. and also open hands of generosity, that these things don't really belong to me. They belong to the Lord. And so they're available to be loaned to others, to be given to others, to be used for God's purposes. That, again, that's a worldview thing. That's a heart thing. You know, I'm a big believer in heart, head, and hands, that, that the heart is the worldview. The heart is the love of Christ. The heart is, is our love for other people. The, the head is where we get the knowledge of what to do with some of these biblical teachings about money. And then the hands, like Chad was talking about with his kids in the checkout line, they're doing real things with money. It's not, not just theory. It's not just mom and dad talking to me. Now I'm making a real decision and a real heat of the moment kind of thing. So it's so important to have all three of those elements. You know, Chad, how old was, you, you got six boys. Which one was that? How I was old? Justice and he is uh, eight. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, eight years old already, you know, I mean, you learning how to handle money yeah. and giving them responsibility. Um, we talked about before the even show, we were talking about, you know, giving, you know, really not giving kids things that they haven't earned. You know, just to give them money just for money's sake is not healthy. Yeah, it, it, it 
different families do things differently with allowances. I think that, that's what you're getting is allowances. And so, um, you know, there's some people, it's a surprisingly contentious topic. It's, it's amazing. When you talk to parents, some have very strong views on this topic. So be careful as you tread into to those waters. But um, that's right. Some people say, you know, in the real world, you're not just going to be given money. Um, so we have some friends in our small group that uh, they have five kids and what they've done, I love their system. They've got mandatory no pay jobs, mandatory four pay jobs and optional four pay jobs. And so a mandatory no pay job might be making your bed. A mandatory four pay job might be clearing the dishwasher. An optional four pay job might be uh, yard work, something like that. And I love how they use money that in one of those mandatory four-pay jobs, if the job isn't done well or if it's done with complaining or delay, that might turn into a mandatory for less pay or a mandatory for no pay sort of job. And so, yeah, important to get money in kids' hands so they're doing real things with money and also to use money as either a reward for a job well done or to be able to withhold some when the job isn't so well done. <laughs> The hard lessons of life, man. <laughs> Talk to us real quickly about cultivating gratitude yeah. and how that plays into all this. Huge. It's huge. Because, I mean, you know, contentment is an important issue. And the world kind of conspires against our being content. You know, that's how the consumer culture works. We can't be content, otherwise the consumer culture would grind to a halt. Gratitude drives contentment. If we spend our lives longing for things we don't have, being jealous of others who have more, somebody's always going to have more, right? Um, instead of that, if we can cultivate gratitude, so as we pray with our kids at nighttime, have them join in the prayer and to give thanks for the things that they're thankful for. Give these simple things, meals during the day, friendships, whatever it is, get them in the habit of saying thank you. We're going to take a break, come back more with two more segments to talk more about what it means to teach your children about money. And we'll take a break here on Solid Step 3. Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal has been a sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, Overall, dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area, one in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And Frank Enterprises, they are a professional septic tank, landscaping, and wastewater management company. If you have water outside your house that's not going where it's supposed to go, or you have septic tank issues or any landscaping needs, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Their years of experience will come through, and you will be thankful you called them. So in between segments, we had a little bit of a debate on uh, what we're talking about, which today we're talking about author, author Matt Bell, who book Trusted, Preparing Your Kids for a Lifetime of God-Honoring Money Management. By the way, by the way, we need to, uh, you got, uh, listeners, you need to go to Amazon.com and pick up a book, go to Focus on the Family, or go to Christian uh, Bookstores.com, ChristianBooks.com. Just go online and Google Trusted <laughs> Book, and you'll find, and buy the book, right? We don't care where you buy it, just buy the book. But we had a little debate about which came first. Does generosity come first, or does gratitude come first? So does generosity produce gratitude, or does gratitude produce generosity? We're going to go to the expert, Matt. What do you think? And, and we nailed it, didn't right. we? Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it's probably both and. I yeah. mean, it's probably circular. You know, one feeds off the other and the other feeds off that one. Uh, you know, if, if I had to put a stake in the ground, I'd say that, that gratitude drives generosity. That, that generosity is like the act that kind of flows from gratitude. Um, gratitude is just, it's, it's the opposite of entitlement. You know, there's so much entitlement in, in our world these days. And so you don't want that in your kids. And, and, and I think gratitude is one key way to keep entitlement at bay. Um, but, but it's definitely a huge motivator for generosity. I mean, it, generosity just tends to flow from a grateful heart. So talk to us about, uh, I mean, saying thank you is important. And that's a part of gratitude. But how, how do we develop that gratitude deep within the heart so that we are then generous? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's about our love relationship with Christ. It's about seeing all that he's done for us. You know, God is the ultimate giver. God gave us his son, Jesus, and Jesus went to the cross for us. I mean, can we even really understand that? Do we often think about that? Do we dwell on that? Do we recognize what that all means. I mean, that, those are the ultimate acts of, of generosity. And so just spending a little bit of time thinking about those realities, I think will drive a person toward gratitude, which will flow then into generosity. Yeah. So let, let's back up. You, you talk in your book about the three principles of what to do with our, or what, what we're going to do with our money. Yeah. Unpack that for us. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think that you know, we can make money really complicated in our world, and I think you know, if we can simplify it, it's, it's better. And, and so one kind of simple framework for money that is so effective is to put generosity first. You know, the Bible talks about first fruits. You know, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your produce. And so that's our first priority. That's our first action step with any money that comes into our life. Secondly, we're to save a portion. That's just good stewardship. I mean, the Bible says that in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish person devours all that they have. And so savings come second. That's just wise stewardship. And then we can spend on the various things that we need and, and even some of the things that we want. You know, the Bible says that God gives us all things for our enjoyment. And so this isn't about you know, living an obsessively frugal life. That's not the picture of, of, of a Christian expression of, of money. But they all work in concert with each other. But getting them in order is, is key. Because when someone says, I can't afford to give or I don't have enough money to give, it's probably because that framework got flipped and so when people make spending their first priority, debt tends to come along. That's just a given. It's just very hard to live on 100%. You end up living on 110%. So so important to, to give the first portion, to save the next portion, and then we can see how, how much can we afford to spend on a house and a car and a vacation, that sort of thing. So, Chad, you, you mentioned something right before the, in the break about if a person can't live on 90%, and you can't live on a hundred because if you took, if I took 10 dimes and put them on a table, said, here's a dollar, here's nine of them. And you go, I can't make it on that. Yeah. Then you're saying you can't live on 90% of what you, what you have. So listen, man, I, that's one thing we've done right is we said, okay, you got to give off the top because it won't be left at the end of the day. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll spend it. That's right. <laughs> so, it, it, I know. mean, I, Matt, I, when I was reading that, and I was reading this out loud to Nancy. We, you know, just we just want to read through the book, and you know, I said uh, this is so spot on mm. because when we understand that we are stewards, not consumers, yeah. and that we give first, yeah. save second, yep. and then spend wisely. And so important to get the kids going with that 
right from their, the, the start, when they first get money coming into their lives, because John Rockefeller, one of the wealthiest people that ever lived, he said that I never could have tithed on my first million dollars if I hadn't tithed on my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. And, and that makes some sense. You know, maybe we're not all going to be making a million dollars at some point. But the, the point is an important one that it's just so much easier if a kid just starts life where it's an of course, of course, it's my natural expression of gratitude that I'm going to give the first portion back to the Lord's work. That's good. You talk about in your book um, uh, the Burkina Faso connection, um, <laughs> making it practical with yeah, your kids. Yeah. Talk, talk about that. Yeah, I love that idea because, you know, kids, it can be a little abstract. I mean, money's become ever more abstract with, you know, now we're paying with digital wallets and things. Um, but in the in the church, if the, if the plate is still being passed in this post-COVID day, um, you know, it, that feels a little abstract. I mean, we do want to give to the church. We want to support the church. But I think especially for young kids to make it ever more real, where are our generosity dollars going and who is it impacting? So in our family, we sponsor some kids through Compassion International, and we know these kids' names. We get their pictures. We exchange letters with them. They're our kids' age. And so one night we were talking about um, this, this kid, Aziz, who lives in Burkina Faso, which is a geography lesson unto itself. Um, but we were, we were looking at a picture he had sent us. We'd sent him some extra money for his birthday. He bought some soap and some rice with the money, just exactly what our kids would spend with some extra money, right? And, and so we're talking about that over dinner. And the next morning when Jonathan, I think he was about, I don't know, six or so at the time, he came into the kitchen in, at breakfast time, and, and as any loving father would, I hit him with a financial quiz, right? I, 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 said, I said, Jonathan, you know, get the sleep out of your eyes there, and, and, and you know, let's answer this question. So what are the three things you can do with money? And he kind of yawned, and he kind of rolled his eyes a little bit maybe, and he, he looked at me and said, uh, Dad, you can, you can spend it, you can save it, and you can uh, give it to Aziz. And I thought, that's perfect. <laughs> you that's know? it. Because he saw Aziz. He saw that where we were sending some money, he saw a real person who was being really impacted by our family's money. And I think that's a really important connection to make with our kids. Yeah. Some, yeah. The, sometimes the offering plate is not, I mean, we, we need to do that, but uh, I love that concept um, so that our kids can see it and they feel it and they, they can almost smell it, you yeah. know, it's, it's right there in front of them. Um, talk to our, our listeners about spending decisions. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, and and one of the things, I mean, you just, and, and so that's where living our lives out loud, we're in the store, we're in the grocery store, we have our kids with us, and we're, we're saying, look, here's how we're making decisions. Here's on, on the sticker on the aisle, it says cost per ounce and cost per count. I can start to help my kid understand how I'm making a thoughtful decision about buying stuff. Making trade-offs, hugely important. So when a kid's in the, in the clothing store, I'm a big believer in giving them their clothing budget. So now it's real, like Chad's experience at, at, at the store with the, the candy that, that they wanted to buy. So now they've got tangible money in their hands, a limited, finite amount of money. Now I can buy two pair of these or one of those, you know, the designer brand or two of the lesser designer brands. I'm making real trade-offs in a real situation with real money, my money. You know, it's just so important for a kid to be hands-on with money. Yeah, you mentioned one of your uh, one of your kiddos uh, likes to go uh, likes the nicer ends of things. Yes, and um, but you, you give you gave some wisdom. To, 
to yeah. one of your boys. Yeah, well, and so th- that gets to temperament. And, and kids, you know, people marvel at how different their kids are, and we're the same way. And so one of our kids is, is more primarily sanguine. That's kind of the life of the party, outgoing, you know, sort of person. And what tends to come financially with the sanguine temperament is the, the, the interest in brand name items and the better things of life, you know? And so he's drawn to that, but hey, we can, we can help them and say, look, you can get the, the stuff you want, but let's get it on sale. Let's find the discount rack. Great brand. Now it's on sale. Don't ever pay full price for that. Yeah. Go to the clearance rack. Yeah. Um, talk to our listeners about um, a, a little bit more about connecting money and a, a good work ethic. Mm, yeah, really important. And so as, as soon as kids are able to, they should be doing something around the house. You know, kids are able at a pretty young age to do simple things, sorting socks, you know, eventually they're figuring out, okay, these are dad's socks and these are, you know, my brother's socks and that kind of thing. And eventually they should be doing their own laundry. So there's a great resource that I mentioned in the book where People can download this resource for free, and it shows them age by age what sort of responsibilities kids can handle. And they're learning to mix certain ingredients in the kitchen. Eventually, they're making dinner for the family. We want to bring them along so that um, they're they're growing in responsibility in in these sorts of things. Um, So, yeah, just make it real for the kids. So we're going to take a break, come back for one more segment, talk more about how to teach your children about God honoring money management. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Great. Ellen and Credit Union has been around the Louisville, Kentuckyana area for decades. They can help you with every financial need that you have, whether it's personal, commercial, you need a home loan, car loan. Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you and all of your financial needs. Bright Star Home Care, if you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. We also want to thank podloo.com, that's Louisville Podcast Studios. If you want to do a professional-sounding podcast or video cast, you want to look and sound great, Louisville Podcast Studios is your contact. Go to podlu.com. That's P-O-D-L-O-U.com. So in our fourth and final segment, we're talking about money, but more importantly, how do you teach your kids about it with author Matt Bell? So Matt, you had uh, a little mantra that you said in between the break. That is awesome. Share that with our leaders, our, re, our, our listeners. <laughs> Who are probably leaders. Um, yeah, so when it comes to investing, I like to say to our kids, why just buy what all the other kids buy when you could buy the companies that make what all the other kids buy? <laughs> <laughs> when you tell your kids that, what do they say? Yeah, you know, when I first started talking about it, it, it was intriguing. It's like, well, what do you mean? I mean, how am I going to own, you know, Apple computer company? And, and that introduces this topic of stock ownership, that some companies are what are called public companies, and they issue stock. You could buy stock. You own a little piece of that company, a very, very, very little piece of that company, but you own a piece of that company now, and you share in the company's success. And so that's a very powerful idea that we can bring to kids. You know, what I have found is that kids can learn things about money, even complicated things like investing at a younger age than we might imagine. So, so talk to us about how you have helped your kids in this whole concept of investing. Yeah. 
So once they have got some savings going, I mean, you know, generosity obviously comes first and, yep. and then savings. So once they've got some savings built up and they're in the habit of saving, now as they're getting older, they're making more money, now there's an opportunity to, to start investing a portion of that money. And it's easier. It's, it's never been easier or less expensive to get a person investing because these days you can open up an account, a brokerage account for nothing. There's no cost to opening the account. You could invest as little as $1 in an S&P 500 mutual fund, which is you know, diversified across about, a, about 500 companies, U.S.-based companies, and for a dollar and no commission. So it's so easy these days. And as we've been talking about earlier, with all these topics, so important for kids to get hands-on with real money. We had, I remember one of our kids was 14 at the time. I still remember he, he wanted to go and see his investment account online. So we went online and looked at his investment account, and he's seeing all these terms he'd never heard before, things like cost basis. If I had lectured our kids about cost basis over dinner, it would, be, would have been face down in the spaghetti. You know, they would have been sleeping. <laughs> but, but because he had real money invested and he saw it on the screen, he was interested in learning some of these investment terms. That's awesome. So, uh, Chad, you got, you got your little kids at home. This whole concept, of, I mean, what goes through your mind? I, I don't think I've done a good job at all invest, you know, helping them understand investing. Well, the question I asked in the beginning of the, sec- the whole show is something that just spilled out of my mouth. So I think the Holy Spirit was going, I'm asking this question for you, Chad, not everybody else, if your kids handled money like the way you do. And I, and I hear all this, and I'm like, gosh, I'm not doing well. I'm do- teaching all these things. But here's the thing. God's a God's of redemption. Mm-hmm. And all these kids are so, they're in a, what, what if they knew what we wish we would have known? at this age. So if you're listening and you're going, gosh, I've I've really missed a lot of the boat. Guess what? The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Next best time is today. That's right. That's so true. So, so start, start now. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've made some mistakes, look again, be transparent with your kids. Tell them, look, mom and dad are learning some of these things right alongside of you. You've got an opportunity because you have an asset that so many older people wish they had. You have time. Mm -hmm. And if you can put that time to productive use, that, that'll that be a very beneficial thing. Paint our paint a picture for our parents and even grandparents of what, when, when we teach these money principles, uh, again, the goal is not to become a millionaire, but um, the goal is that we can be stewards and we can be great givers and be generous. That's right. Um, but if we start young, Paint a picture for our, for our listeners. Yeah, I think this is the thing that makes me most excited about this whole topic. Because if you think about compounding or exponential returns, typically we think about those things with regard to investing money. And they're really powerful, important concepts. But I like to think about those ideas applied to all sorts of things about money. And not money, but I mean, if you just limit the conversation to money, you think about a young person who develops a heart of compassion at a young age and backs that heart of compassion with some practices around generosity, how God could multiply that over her lifetime we, we wouldn't be able to measure it. And not just in the tangible financial investment she makes in God-honoring causes in the world, of which there are many, but also in just how her generous heart will flow out into all of her relationships and how her life will be infused with joy. You think about a young boy who gets his relationship with money and with God right at a young age and how that will impact his future marriage and his lifelong relationship with Christ. It's We can't measure those things. They're beyond our ability to imagine, but that's what excites me about this. It's, it's the lifelong, it's the spiritual, it's the incredible way that God could multiply 
the impact of a kid getting right with money at a very young age. And really, uh, okay, I mean, that at the end of the day, that's really what we're shooting for. Yeah, absolutely. Because as we said at the beginning, you know, Jesus described money as his chief rival for his heart. And, and, and so we, for our kids to grow up getting the money thing right, understanding it all belongs to God, having a sense of contentment that flows from gratitude for all that God has done and continues to do for them every day, how that will impact their faith, how that will enrich their faith, how that will just create such a vivid relationship with Christ over their lifetime and, and flow into all their other relationships. That's what motivates me about this whole topic. Um, we haven't touched, we, we touched a little bit on contentment, but the Bible says godliness with contentment mm. is great gain. Yeah. Unpack that, and then we'll have to wind up this last segment. But it's been, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, it, it does come back down to, to gratitude in, in a large way because, you know, in this day and age, social media is such a huge force, and social media is the comparison game magnified to the nth degree. And so there, you know, the gatekeeper role where we're limiting maybe access to, we're helping them understand how we're going to use these tools productively, constructively, in a God-honoring way. If we can foster gratitude and contentment in our kids, that will set them up for quite a lifetime. That's, uh, that's awesome stuff. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Matt, thanks so much. Uh, so our listeners, uh, they can go to mattaboutmoney.com. Is that right? Yeah. Mattaboutmoney.com. No, that's Matt About Money, right? M-A-T-T. Yeah, that's right. Not mad about money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that site looks like. Don't go there. <laughs> and also, you've been, you've been with Sound Mind Investing for how long now? It's been 11 years now. Oh, that's yeah. good. Austin Pryor's a good man. He is. Oh. Well... I'd love to have you pray, pray us out yeah. and pray for us guys. We'd love to. Thanks. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness toward us. And thank you that your word says so much about this topic that can trip us up so easily. Please, Lord, give us the wisdom to look to your word, to read your word, to write your word in our hearts. Would you do that work for us? And um, help us, Lord, to be responsive, to, to follow these teachings of yours that you've generously given us. And Lord, please help us to convey these to our kids so that their lives will, they, they will not be harmed by money, but that money will be a joyful tool that they use with gratitude to bring glory to you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matt Bell, thank you very, very much. Appreciate it. The name of the book is Trusted, Preparing Your Kids for a Lifetime of God-Honoring Money Management. You go to Amazon.com, and you will be able to find that. You can go to FocusOnTheFamily.com, and then again, Matt's website, MattAboutMoney.com. That's M-A-T-T, MattAboutMoney.com. So Jesus said that the love of money, not money, but the love of money is a root of all evil. And so... What we, is he competing against? It's not even money. It's the love of something else. You could take out money and put something else. The love of social media, the love of consumer items, the love of a lot of things. At the end of the day, I've heard it been said that money is a heart issue, not a financial issue. How you're spending and all those issues. So uh, if you're listening to this and you think, man, I am not doing well with that. Well, get in line. That starts right here. Right? We could always <laughs> be doing better with this. But the real question is, whose money is this? It's God's money, and he's given it to us to steward and to take care of. So if you haven't done well yesterday, today's a new day. Let's start over and buy the book, Trusted, 
preparing your kids for a lifetime of God-honoring money management. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.